Second Chronicles 13 and verse 1. Now the 18th year of King Jeroboam began Abijah to reign over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. And there was war. Would you say, and there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Abijah set the battle in array with an army of valiant men of war, even 400,000 chosen men. Jeroboam also set the battle in array against him with 800,000 chosen men, being mighty men of valor. Abijah stood up on Mount Zemeramim, which is in Mount Ephraim, and said, Hear me, O thou Jeroboam, and all of Israel. Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his sons by covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, is risen up and hath rebelled against his Lord. And there was gathered unto him vain men, the children of Belial, and have strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was young and tender-hearted and could not withstand them. And now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord in the hand of the sons of David? And ye be great multitude, and there are with you golden calves, which Jeroboam made you for gods? Have you not cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron, the Levites, and have you not made you priest after the manner of the nations of other lands? So that whosoever cometh to consecrate himself with a young bullock and seven rams, the same may be priest of them that are no gods. But as for us, everybody say, but as for us, the Lord our God and we have not forsaken him and the priests which minister unto the Lord are the sons of Aaron and the Levites wait upon their business and they burn unto the Lord every morning and every evening burnt sacrifices and sweet incense. The showbread also set they in order upon the pure table and the candlesticks of gold and the lamps thereof to burn every evening. For we keep the charge of the Lord our God. But ye have forsaken him. And behold, God himself is with us. For our captain and his priests with sounding trumpets to cry alarm against you. O children of Israel, fight ye not against the Lord God of your fathers. For ye shall not prosper. But Jeroboam caused an ambushment to come up behind them. So they were before Judah and the ambushment was behind. Everybody say they were before us and they were behind us. And when Judah looked back, behold, the battle was before and behind and they cried unto the Lord and the priests sounded with the trumpets. Then the men of Judah gave a shout and as the men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God smote Jeroboam and all of Israel before Abijah and Judah and the children of Israel fled before Judah and God gave, God delivered them into their hand and Abijah and his people slew them with great slaughter. So there fell down slain of Israel 500,000 chosen men. Verse 20, neither did Jeroboam recover strength again in the days of Abijah and the Lord struck him and he died. Someone to say he died. I want to preach for just a few moments tonight when praise is ambushed. Look at somebody and say, praise is being ambushed. Tell somebody, but I'm going to shout my way out of it. I, that word shout means with a loud voice. That means, ah! Look at somebody and say, I'm going to shout tonight. And we're going to have a breakthrough tonight. Come on, if you believe that, clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. It's 723. Everybody say, set your clock. It's 723. 
Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. I'm glad also to have one of my boys here, Brother Jose. Amen. He's 17 and a half. Amen. I appreciate him. He wanted to come. He said, Dad, are you going? Where are you going? I told him I was going. He said, can I come? I went, Absolutely. And so here he has been with me all these three days, and he's a fine young man. We appreciate him. Judah's origin can be traced back to the fourth son of Jacob, the grandson of Abraham. Judah means celebrated or praised, to praise unto Jehovah. And it was birthed from the word yada, which is a word that means to hold out the hand or to physically throw, to revere in worship with extended hands and to confess. And literally it becomes a fighting word in the Old Testament. It means to shoot the arrow. Amen. And so it becomes a, a praise word of, uh, a word of fighting and a word of, of combat. Amen. Judah then was the center of God's attention, Israel as a nation and the focus of the 12 tribes. Throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, Judah is heavily involved in God's business. And according to God's pattern in the heavenly tabernacle shown to Moses in the mountain for 40 days, Judah was to camp right outside the gate. Amen. Someone say Judah's right outside the gate. Amen. So that comes to us in New Testament understanding. We understand that when we come into the church, we ought to come into the church with praise. Come on, tell somebody, when we come to church, we come with praise. Now, you may have car trouble, you may have a headache, backache, and kidney pains, and, you know, finger pains, and may have a sticker in your finger, and it's just frustrating the devil out of it. But look at somebody say, when I come to church, I come to church with praise. We come into his courts with praise. Come on, tell somebody, I come into his courts with praise. Now, if you remember the tabernacle plan, I didn't get enough amens from everybody say, this next three minutes is on you. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, but when we look at the tabernacle plan, it becomes a foreshadowing of us whenever we come into the presence of the Lord. In the tabernacle, you had one tabernacle with three parts, outer court, holy place, and holy of holies. The presence of God dwelt in the Holy of Holies at 15 by 15 square room. And there was a veil hanging in the sixth position with three pieces of material or curtain material that was sewn together so it would survive the hardest and most severe of strains so it wouldn't tear. And so when the priests and them would come through the tabernacle, they would, amen, all year long they would come to the brazen altar which was wider than the door. 32 feet wide altar and the doors was 30 feet wide and, and so the door, uh, the altar was 32 feet wide, which means whenever you come to God, you, you got to, you, you got to go way out of your way to get around repentance. Amen. That's where the cross starts out. Amen. For us. Amen. And so this, when you come to Jesus, you come to the brazen altar, the very first thing. That's where you repent. That's where you give God all of your problems and your pain. And then the priest would move past that to the laver of water. And he would wash with water. Everybody say that he died not. Amen. This becomes a type of water baptism to us. And uh, we must be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin. Somebody say amen. Amen. Because if we're not born again of the water, it don't matter how much Holy Ghost you got. You still going to go to hell if the horn sounds and you haven't been buried in Jesus name. Somebody say amen. amen. Then you'd walk into the holy place. The golden candlesticks was on the left and the table of showbread was on the right. And right in front of you was the altar of incense. And they would go through this this whole year until it came time. Amen. To go into the presence of the Lord. And now it was just left for one man that could go in there one time a year. Look at somebody and say, one man. 
one time a year got to feel what we've all felt all day today. Amen. These last three nights we've been feeling the Holy Ghost in that gymnasium. I mean, it was something we's all, and I know most people would like, we's all dressed down and just t-shirts on advertising the conference and no ties and no fancy suits and we just, everybody was just in clothes just to make everybody feel comfortable. And, and you know what? In about 15, 20 minutes of singing and a, and a quick announcement and one more song and the preacher would be up. Brother Myers got up the first night about 15, 18 minutes. He'd give an altar call or he had, uh, Brother Dylan come up and give the altar call and before it was done, it was 17 people had the Holy Ghost. We've barely been in church an hour. Come on, look at somebody and say, we'd barely been in church an hour. Amen. What are you saying? I'm saying, amen. Now we come into the presence of the Lord freely all of the time. Amen. I'm feeling Holy Ghost telling me stuff. So what do we need to do in 2023? We need to begin to move in the Holy Ghost. We don't need to just do it once ever. Thank you, sound man. Boom, shakalaka. Hey. Oh, Lord, that felt, eh. Oh, almost knocked me out. It felt so good. <laughs> that sound. I hope it sounds good out there because just... Mark that that knob right there with a yellow highlighter and put Gigi right up on the top of it. Anytime I'm here, just put it all right there. Because that, oh, that got you 10 more minutes of preaching. It felt so good. <laughs> I'm kidding. Amen. Look at somebody say amen. Amen. But that priest would go into the presence of God one time a year. And it was a supernatural thing that took him through the veil because there was no division in the veil. He didn't go around the edge and go around. No, he would stand before that veil with a vial of blood from the sacrifice in one hand. And the altar of incense, he took a coal of fire and then he poured incense on that coal and it would go up before God. And and whenever that would go up, then the presence of God would transport him through, amen, the veil. Amen. Brother Mark Morgan. Brother Morgan, good to see you. I'm sorry I didn't say you. I'm so Jesus have mercy. I'm getting so old now. I'm thinking a little bit more. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I've seen him and his pretty wife. I said, oh, shia, Jesus. Name in the name of Jesus. It's great. How many of you love the Dillons? See, aren't they wonderful? Or the Morgans. I said Dillons. I'm sorry. Good Lord. I mean, you messed me up, Doc. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. That's a great evangelist. Amen. It's because he's got a great wife. Hallelujah. Look at somebody say amen. Amen. But one time a year, the priest would get to go through that veil. The Holy Ghost would transport him through it. His uncle, Brother Morgan, was in Missouri at one of these uh, uh, life-size replicas of this. And they were going through it. And 40, 50 people there. And they got through it. And they said, well, anybody got a question? There's a couple of questions. And he said, well, is there anybody else? And Brother Morgan threw his hand up. And he said, yes, sir. He said, I know what you want. And uh, he began to ask him. And he said... Brother Morgan said, well, what do, I, what do I want? He said, you want to know about the name of Jesus? He, that wasn't his question, but he said, tell me about it. And he told him right there in the front, we believe also, amen, that the name of Jesus is the name of God. And when he said it, the group just kind of rumbled and just were in shock. that they, they believed that, that Jesus' name was the saving name of God. And so he went through a little just, and when he got done, Brother Morgan said, well, that wasn't my question. He said, oh, what's your question? He said, inside that tabernacle at that curtain, three inches wide, thick, and there was no division in no way to get into the Holy Village. He said, how would that priest get through that veil? And the man looked at him shocked, and he said, I've never had anybody ask me that. But he said, I'm sorry. He said, no, no. He said, I'll tell you what the Jewish tradition is, what we believe. We believe that while the priest stood there with blood in one hand and incense in the other, and he was worshiping God, while he was worshiping, the Spirit of God would take him through that veil. 
There's no scripture for it anywhere. Now, some people, we in Bible school, they said they had a rope tied to his ankle in case he died. They'd pull him out. There wasn't no rope to nobody's ankle. You say, amen to somebody. Amen. The Holy Ghost would, the Spirit of God would take him through that veil. And when he went through, he went right to the altar and poured the blood out on them. Why? Because God's presence was coming down in wrath, vehement anger. Amen. He was ready to kill whoever had walked into his, he was the high priest, but he was unholy because he had sin in his life. But when he poured that blood out on that mercy seat and the power of God came down, when it hit that veil, hit that um, altar, amen, it moved to mercy and grace and they would hear the ringing of the bells in that veil and the whole tribe of Israel, two million people outside the tabernacle, standing in their tent doors, waiting for the sound, amen, of praise. Amen. Can I tell you that what this world is waiting on is not just a, a nice little service with a cute, cute little message. What they're waiting on is somebody that's got the sound of praise because they have been liberated, not just in this church, but they're waiting at work. They're waiting in the grocery store. They're waiting in the office. They're waiting for somebody to just say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody ought to throw your hands up and say, hallelujah. You ought to just say, praise the Lord. You shouldn't have to feel anything to praise God. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. Can I say to us that we're living in the last few days of, of this thing called grace. Jesus is about to come back. But before he comes back, I believe there's a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost that is destined for this world. Oh, now I ain't got everybody saying amen. Look at somebody say next three minutes on us. That was a good place to say amen. Talking about the outpouring. Now y'all have had Brother Robinette here and he was talking millions getting the Holy Ghost the last two times I've been with him. I've been on his conference call every Monday. I'll be on there again tomorrow. And uh, every time I've been on, he said, we're praying God for billions. And it just, bam, it just hits me. Just billions. Because I understand the Bible lets us know there'll be more lost than saved. And I understand that. But we could get, to, we could get a third of, a, of the eight billion people on this planet. Come on, somebody. Amen. And I know it's mind-blowing, but can I tell you, the little bit of Holy Ghost we had moving this week, it was just a drop. Just a, just a drop. Of, it was just a drop. That's just one drop. And we had 44, and, and we didn't have an hour and a half of service with all three services. What happened? The Holy Ghost just fell. God just let a little spirit drop out on them. But can I tell you, there's coming a move of God in not many days hence. You say, what's going to set it off? It's going to be you that's going to set it off. It's going to be you that's going to set it off. Amen. Come on. When my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Come on, God's waiting on us. Uh, he's waiting on us to get closer. He's waiting on us to get more passionate. He's waiting on us to really praise Him. I personally believe that this outpouring will be so fast and so quick and so all over the world that it will happen. And when the last person receives the Holy Ghost, there will be a trumpet sound and we'll be gone. Can I tell you, I believe that. 2018, Israel was a nation for 70 years. It finished in 2018. That's why that whole year, I followed a couple of Jewish websites, and they were dancing and spinning all the time. Now, normally they would dance occasionally towards the weekends and things like that. But, but I mean, this was every day they were dancing, and it hit me, 2019. 
2018, Israel turned 70. I went, I literally was sitting at my desk. I said, oh, my God. And that whole next year and a half, I said, how many of you know what happened in 2018? Never had one person, not even a preacher, was able to lay hold of it and understand what happened. Israel turned 70 years old in 2018. And then we went, it was no accident. 2020, we went into the pandemic. Come on, somebody. Tell somebody it wasn't an accident. Hey, man, I believe, first of all, God lifted up the veil and said, just come on in. I know it was craziness from Wuhan, China, and all that, but I know God could have stopped it, but for some reason, he lifted the veil and let it all come in. And all of that results. And I'm, thank God it's over. Somebody say, thank God it's over. Amen. But what are you saying? We're living in the last moments of this dispensation. And I'm preaching to you now. Amen. Like I may never be back again. I don't know. I hope I am. He invited me to the conference. I'm going to be here in October. I'll be back for that if the Lord tarries. But I may not ever get to preach to you again. And I want to tell you in the Holy Ghost, you got to get ready. Because Jesus is coming. I don't believe we're going to be here 30 more years, 40 more years. I don't believe it. Why? Because Israel turned 70 in 2018. We're in the final years, the final countdown of this grace dispensation. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. Come on, give Him some praise. He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. Come on, Jesus is coming. You gotta be able to praise Him now. Listen, if the horn sounds, you gotta ask yourself, if the horn sounds in three minutes, would I go? Well, I've been in church and I clocked in and all that, but I wanna ask you, would you go to heaven based on this service? Come on, would you go to heaven based on your passion today? Would you go to heaven based on your praise that you just want to give? You don't have to feel anything to praise Him. You just, when you think of the goodness of Jesus and all that He's done for you, your soul be, come on. Come on, I'm not trying to get you to jump or holler. Amen, but I'm asking you that you need to open your mouth and you need to begin to praise God. He could come tonight. You can be seated, I know. I know you say that, and most people don't say amen to it, and I understand. I know there's a lot of things got to happen, but we don't know what all's happening around the world today. Even with Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and texting, we don't know. I was checking on my phone, and I left it over there. I think we had evangelist little chat that I'm on. I think it was about 57 or something got the Holy Ghost so far today. We had two get the Holy Ghost. One had one. We had three. We had eight. We had twelve. Someone t- we had twenty-seven. And someone else said we had thirty-one. And and it's just great. It just starts coming up after afternoon. You boom, boom, the three had four baptized twenty-one. And when you see that chill start going up and down my neck, like one of these days we're gonna get it, and they're gonna be just evangelists all over the country and around the world. Because we got about hundred and fifteen on that chat, and we they'll get on there, and there's coming a day when it's gonna happen, and they'll say we had hundred and twenty, we had two hundred seventy-five. Somebody else gonna say we had eight. Somebody else is going to say we had almost a thousand. It's going to happen. Come on, somebody. I got me and the evangelist saying amen. But look at somebody and say it's about to happen. 
It's about to happen at Brother Myers with all these crusades that you're starting up now. Amen. I'm off my nose now, but I'm in the Holy Ghost. All these crusades he's starting up here on this East Coast. Amen. I told him the other night when I got there for prayer, the Interstate 10, it runs from here in Jacksonville all the way across the southern part of the United States, through New Orleans, through Houston, through New Mexico, Arizona, all the way to Los Angeles. Tell somebody coast to coast. So what are you in the Lord's telling me now? Now you're where I need you. So I'm slowing down, so I have to think about it a little bit. So what are you saying? I was here the other night talking to him about the crusade and about prayer and, and everything, and then I got on what I've known since 1987 was going to happen on Interstate 10. Brother Morgan took the church in Okmulgee, Oklahoma, in 1987. I met him that first night that they had a rally. Brother Rex Johnson preached. I was on the back row. Me and Keith Hewlett were sitting in the very back, back two seats and, and I just heard saw some commotion out of my peripheral vision I looked back Brother Morgan stepped in the door he was checking the sound he'd been ch- pastor church two weeks and Sam ain't got mad and left you know I won't tell you everything everybody left but there was a bunch that left within two weeks they just didn't like him he was preaching too much revival preaching too much Holy Ghost earlier later that year he was in the church praying one morning and the Holy Ghost took him into the spirit. And he said, suddenly I was out of the building and I was looking across the night heavens in that morning. He said, I saw a ball of fire fall down just south of the church. It was so big. He said, Greg, it was so big. He said, it got coming down, coming down. All of a sudden, it just exploded. Two big balls fell out. One hit the city of Houston. Another one hit New Orleans. The rest of the flames began to blow up and it run all up and down the south part of the United States all the way one coast to coast. He said, I got my map out. To look, and it was Interstate 10. Why the big ones from New Orleans to Houston? He said, I just couldn't figure it out. He said, I kept praying. And he said, Then Brother uh, Billy Cole heard him t- preaching about it. And he came up to him after church and he told him, said, Brother, Co- Brother Morgan, this is the reason. X amount of years ago, I had the same dream. I saw the ball of fire drop out of heaven. I saw it explode over the southern part of the United States. I saw two great balls of fire fall. One hit New Orleans, one hit Houston, and balls of fire bounced all around the southern border across Interstate. 10. A few months later, maybe a year later, Brother T.W. Barnes heard him talking about it. Brother Barnes called him over to the altar and he said, Brother Morgan, God has given you the vision for the end time. He said, what? He said, the vision of Interstate 10 is the vision of the end time. And he began to understand. I'm jumping through a bunch of it. But he said, the Lord told him, he said, this from New Orleans to Houston is the seventh stronghold, spiritual stronghold of the world. Seven means fullness, completion, spiritual perfection follows it. But it's a stronghold. There's a spirit there. And oh, I could tell you some things going on that just blow your mind. Amen. Down in there. It's a stronghold. Somebody says stronghold. And I came over here. I had no idea where Jacksonville was. Before God, I didn't. When I got to Tallahassee, I said, what in the world? I thought this were And I got my phone out and popped it in. I said, oh my God, I got another three and a half hours. The name of Jesus should have flown over here. And so I'm driving in and I pull into the city. I get cold chills. And I feel bad because I didn't talk to my son practically the whole way there because I was on Interstate 10 driving and it hit me. And I was, oh my God. And I pulled into the city and I'm like, oh my God, this downtown is beautiful. Look at this water coming down through here. And then I got that night and I asked him, I said, what's the population? He said, it's over a million people. I said, oh my God. 
over a million people in Jacksonville. And then the Holy Ghost began to deal with me. And it was as if, I don't say I saw it, but it was as if I saw a long rope running across Interstate 10. And there we were at the east end of this rope. And I saw us having church. And while we were having church, it was like the, the Lord empowered us to go. And we popped that rope and it went rip to rip to rip to rip to rip to rip rip and went rippling all across the southern United States. The first time I've got to talk about it, I've come to tell this great church with a great pastor, one of the most anointed men of God that I've ever known. I'm telling you the God's truth. This man, I love him. He can have fun and be cutting up and have fun, but in a second, boom, he can get serious on you. And amen. He, he's just like Brother Ewing. Brother Ewing, we'd have fun and laugh and talk, but when it came to church, he said, oh boys, we need to pray hands and he'd go to talking in tongues and he was locked in till after church we'd be in the office waiting to go brother Ewing he'd say well just wait now or sister Ewing said come on Greg let's go I said I'm waiting for brother Ewing and we'd go out and peek in he'd be sitting up on platform be a couple of people there families and people that aren't talking he'd talk and I asked him Bishop why you do that and he said it keeps me from counseling during the day I said give me some skin brother hallelujah Sister, you would be wanting to go home and finally she'd go home and then brother Ewing come in there and sit down and he'd say mama get me his little mama a little short She'd hunch over and she'd get him a hot coffee made and then she'd put it in the microwave and nuke it hotter. I mean, it was fresh coffee. It was hot. She'd put it in the microwave and make it hotter. And then she poured in a little china cup, little bitty old china cup. Y'all, everybody remember Brother Ewing? Big man, boy. He'd hold that cup with two little fingers, pick it up off the table. Oh, that's hot. He said, and we'd talk for 30 minutes. He'd say, Bubba, tell me where you got that message. I'd go through and tell him and all that kind of stuff. What I'm saying is, is the move of God that's about to bounce down through, amen, I-10, the southern part of this United States. What's going on? God is positioning the church. He's empowering the church, amen, to shake the stronghold that runs across this southern United States. And the, the, the Lord told Brother Morgan and then Brother Barnes and Brother Cole told him the same thing. When this spirit breaks down between Houston and New Orleans and Interstate 10 across the United States, he said when that happens it's going to lose a revival in all of North America. That includes Canada, the United States and Mexico. It's the seventh spiritual stronghold of the world. It's down along Interstate 10 and God is calling this church and this pastor to help lead Amen, a crusade effort of reaching the lost, spreading the word. Come on somebody, you need to say amen. Tell somebody it's happening. It's happening, and now it's breaking us all out of, of our norms, and the pandemic did its deal. We got people afraid to come to church, but they go to work, they, you know, look at somebody say, leave it alone, Rev, leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone. I won't get in no trouble. But what's going on? The end time is on us. We are living in the last few moments of the end time. The year zero to 1000 A.D., was the first day. 1001 to the year 2000 AD was the second day. What happened? Does anybody remember 9-11? Shook the whole world up. Can I tell you from 2001 forward is the third day of this church. I know there's a little difference in the, the calendars, Gregorian calendar and the other calendar, but just a few years difference. But look at somebody and say, we are in the third day of grace dispensation. 
What happened on the third day? The third day Jonah came out of the well. Third day Jesus came out of the grave. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Third day. I can spend a whole day in here. Tell somebody the third day. Something supernatural happens. What's going to happen? I'm telling you the outpouring is beginning. We're beginning to see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in churches and in crusades. Brother Meyer said the other night, he said, I was doing them overseas and couldn't do them anymore. So I just started doing them in the United States. Could you believe that God said, come home and spread this passion? Come on, among a content and comfortable people. I'm not on you. I'm just saying we need to get ready. It's time for the third day. It's time for the resurrection of the church. And before it happens, there will be a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. If you believe that, lift your hands and give Him praise. Come on, give Him praise. Come on, praise Him like you really believe it. You ought to lift your hands and really praise Him. Come on, you ought to really praise Him. Oh, glory. Come on, touch somebody next to you and say, glory. Glory. Tell somebody, glory's happening. The glory of God is falling. It's falling on the streets. It's falling in your workplace. It's falling in the grocery store. You can be seated. I've seen it happen. The other day I was at a gas stop. Went to get some gas, some chicken. And for the house, my wife works like crazy on Mondays and Tuesdays. We don't cook. And always get somebody in there getting chicken. Big line of people getting chicken. There's a guy standing there next to me. How you doing? Hey, man, what's up? I had my jogging suit on. Of course, I had OU stuff on mine. They had LSU, and he started mouthing at me, and I mouthed back jokingly, and we was pounding fists. And, and when I was doing that, the Holy Ghost said, pay for his meal. I said, okay. So he walks up to the counter. I said, hey, would you let me pay for your meal? He said, yeah, why, why you want to do that? I said, I just, I said, you really want to know? He said, yeah. I said, the Holy Ghost told me to pay for your meal. He said, the Holy Ghost? What do you know about the Holy Ghost? I said, I'm an evangelist. He said, you're what? I'm a traveling preacher. I've been doing this 32 years. Preaching 38. He said, oh my God. Tears got this. I said, you all right? He said, what church do you preach at here? I said, just go out this parking lot this way. Go about a mile up the road. Big church on the left. Church sits back off the ground. Got the great big tree in front. He said, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I said, what do you know? He said, my mom used to go to that church years ago. I was a young boy, eight or nine years old. God filled me with the Holy Ghost in that church under Bishop F.L. Sarton. And when he said that, the hair on my neck just, I didn't see it, but it felt like my hair was sticking straight out. I'm there in my sweats. I'm fully anointed. And I mean, I'm just, and I'm giving it to him there. And I said, well, you know why? I said, I came in here. He said, no. I said, neither do I. I just wanted chicken. I said, I'll try this. He said, oh, my God. I said, yep, that's what it was, Bubba. It was God that brought me in here. Just, I mean, the place was packed. There's 10 or 15 people waiting on chicken. And me and him were just having a conversation before he paid for it. And the lady's looking at us. And we're talking. He got tears. And I said, here, let me pay for this. And we paid for it went outside. I said, Bubba, you know what God's doing? He said, yeah. I said, God wants you to come to church. He's about to come. Amen. Can I tell you? Amen. He's come to church. Amen. What, what's going on? The Lord is reaching for everybody that he can. I've done it at the grocery store. I've invited people at the grocery store checking out. And I said, how are you? they doing good, sir. I said, let me pay for her groceries. Being 80 bucks, 90 bucks. I'd pay for groceries and pay for my bucks. Be 275 bucks. Be way up over 300. And I said, man, my kids didn't eat so much. My bill wouldn't. No, I'm kidding. Hallelujah. 
And I'd pay $350 and, and the lady would be, why, why'd you do that? Why, why, why'd you do that, sir? I said, I want to invite you to church. She said, I knew it. I knew you was a preacher. I wouldn't dress like one. I was, I mean, I was decent. I was godly. Amen. But I wasn't like a preacher. And, uh, just in my everyday clothes. And she said, I knew there was something about you. Whenever you told that lady, asked that lady, could you pay for her groceries? And, and she looked at you with shock. She said, I heard you answer. And something told me he's different. What are you saying? I'm saying if all of us would be attentive. If all of us would be sensitive. Come on. I'm not telling you to buy somebody's groceries, but I'm telling you to be sensitive. Because don't, don't, now, your lack of amen is getting you on this one. I go to Lake Charles Brother Ewing's. I go to the grocery store and they had 27, not really, but it felt like 27 or 30 churches around Lake Charles. Bunch of Pentecostals. Penny. P-E-N-N-Y. Costals. Not Penty, P-E-N-T, but Penny, P-E-N-N-Y. And you'd be walking down the grocery store and you'd be pushing your car and you'd see one coming. Could look just like you. Dressed, long hair, obviously Pentecostal. And they'd see you and when they'd see you, they'd go, whoop, and they'd turn like that. And I got, I was there about two weeks and I got so mad, so tired of it. I was in there one day and had another preacher with me and, and one of them women did that. And I said, hang on, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go get her. Now I'm gonna blow my cover here and tell you. We was going by the shoe department. Across the line was the lady's underwear. She took a dart into that. But I knew she went in there not because she needed something because she's avoiding me. I said, I'll be right back. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm going in here to find her. Whoa! I went in there pushing that cart down through there. Finally got to her. She turned around. And I said, praise the Lord. She said, oh my God, praise the Lord. Who are you? I said, I'm an evangelist. Craig God was my name. I'm preaching at Brother Ewing's church. And you're apostolic, aren't you? She said, yes, sir. I said, you need to learn to say amen to people and not turn and run away from them. Come on, somebody. What in the name of God's wrong with us? We see each other. You may not be from their church, but you always say, praise the Lord, my brother. Praise the Lord, my sister. I love you. Why? Because it's going to loose the move of God horizontally. It's going to loose the Holy Ghost through us and through to the world. Come on, give God some praise. Come on, give Him some praise. I'm, I'm, I'm done with my notes. I'm telling this church right now, the spirit of evangelism is on you. I said the spirit of evangelism is on you, but I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, with the tremendous apostolic leadership you have as your pastor, God has not anointed him or envisioned him by accident. Come on, you need to elbow. Somebody said that deserved an amen. Amen. He has not. I'm going to say it again, envisioned him or empowered him by accident. Oh, God. I don't want to say that. I'm going to say what the Holy Ghost said. Well, and maybe he thinks this sometime. You know, he's got this crook in his back. And, and, praise the Lord, Brother God. He's been doing that all of his life. At me, And it just hit me. I, I, I hope I'm not embarrassing you. But maybe at times he's talking, now, God, why me? Why are you doing this with me? Why am I going around the world and taking my boys, my kids, and my wife? And why are you using me? Quit asking why. Look at somebody, don't ask why. Tell somebody, don't ask why ever again. Don't ask why for the vision. Don't ask why he's brought you over here to the United States to do crusades here. Don't tell somebody, don't ask why. Don't ask why when pastor gets up and says we need a sacrificial offering for the crusade and somewhere, wherever. He brought up Pensacola the other day, brother, uh, brother Brian, uh, 
Kinsey is very involved. They have a prayer meeting once a month at their church. Five to six hundred people at prayer meeting. He flew Brother Morgan and I in. We went in. I drove. It was three hours. I drove in there and I was stunned. I figured 120, you know, maybe 200 to best. It was over 500 people there. But by the time the preachers from around there in Alabama and north of, north of, of Pensacola started coming in, there was almost 800 people in there. On an off night. And all it was was Brother Morgan was going to speak to him. And so he gets up there and starts talking. And he talks about 35 minutes. And all of a sudden the Lord shows him somebody. He says, ma'am, you got, you got a back problem or whatever it was. He said, God wants to heal you. She was shocked. She stood up with her hands. He went out and prayed for her. She began to dance all over the church. People began to run to the front. Began to pray with people. There wasn't nobody got the Holy Ghost because there was nobody there that needed it. But there were miracles that happened all over. I'm saying that to say. He said something about Pensacola the other day. And it's the will of God. For us to do one of these in Pensacola Why? Because it's the rope shaking It's the stronghold across the south Shaking Look at somebody And say we've got to shake this Oh God Oh God I mean why Why did Brother Barnes pass? Why did Brother Brother Barnes clocked out? Because he told God he was ready Went to bed and that was it How would you do that? Now we would say, our guys would say, all the big leaders have gone. We still got Bishop. Thank God for that. Give me some pound, Bishop. Hallelujah. We got the bishop, the teacher, amen, this man of God. But most from his generation are passing away. And we're like, what are we going to do? It's our turn. We're 58, 59, aren't you? 59, I'm 59, 59 and a half. Hey man, what are you saying? It's our time now. We have to move in. We can't wait for accreditation. We can't wait for someone to say, I approve of it. There's got to be something in us that says, God, we will mobilize. We will come together. Hey man, what? We're going to have revival in this church. We're going to pray hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people through. Even thousands of people through are going to pray through in the next few short days and maybe two or three years or four. But hey man, you've got to be ready because this thing is about to blast off into another world. Woo! You can be seated. How old are you? How old are you? 18? 20? 19? 20? I would ask some elders, but I don't want to embarrass you. Somebody always thinks, I mean, I used to think, well, you know, if mom, you know, I, I didn't get the Holy Ghost till I was 16 for various reasons. I just had in my mind, I want to be close to mom. Storms or something hits or trouble going on, say, don't be close to mom. Because I just always envisioned if the rapture took place, she started going, I was quick, man. I, well, I'm telling you, now I ain't what I used to be, but I used to be quick. I thought, poof, I just get a hold of a foot, I'll go all the way. Well, I'm telling you. And then I had a dream. And I was in a Kipps Big Boy. Anybody ever heard of Kipps Big Boy? They're Shoney's now. They used to be Kipps Big Boys. He'd walk in the two doors and there was a great big booth right inside the door. Glass windows all the way around. We sitting in there. I was sitting on the end seat right there. So I was looking out right at the front door. I was looking out this way. And all of a sudden, it's about 4.30 in the afternoon. I figured after school, a bunch of us guys from school were in that booth. We were sitting. All of a sudden, the light, the sun just got brighter. And I said, oh, my God. And I felt something. I just sensed something. I looked. I jumped up out of my seat and looked. And I saw, choo, choo. I said, oh my God. They said, what? I said, Jesus is coming. I ran outside the door screaming and I looked towards the house. I thought, oh my God, five miles. I'll never get to mom. And as I was looking at her, 
people were taking off. And I, and I woke up in my bed. I mean, I was freaking out. I had a dream. I missed the rapture. Since that time, to help that not come to pass, I never, say never, went back to Kip's or Shoney's ever again. You know, somebody don't fool with Pookie Boy. I said, bless God. Hey, Boshai, you don't want, don't want that corner booth. I don't want nothing to do with Kip's or Shoney's. If I'm dying, I ain't eating nothing at Shoney's, brother. I'm telling you now. Came from home work a couple of years after that. I came home from school. And I got to the front house, 1120 South, and the glass door was there, and the door was open. I thought, Mom, never leaves the door open. Open the door, said, Mom, I'm home. I started running up the steps. Mom, I'm home. I stuck my head over the Mom, I'm home. I could hear Walter run in the kitchen. I said, Mom. I run back down the stairs. Run around the corner, run in the kitchen. I said, Mom. The dishwasher was open, sink water was running, and the garage door was standing wide open. Mama never did that. If I did that, I got whipped with a piece of leather from me to Brother Morgan Long, about that wide, about that thin, split up both ends that far, folded in half. Four, eight, twelve, sixteen. Most of the time. Look at somebody say, no wonder he's so good. I got the devil beat out of me. Now, it was legal beatings because it was always on my backside. Amen. It was... And I'd get up, and I'm sorry, I, I'd get up and I had to walk like this to keep my pants off of me. Because when I'd take my pants off, I'd look in the mirror, man, I'd have purple stripes, man. Me and my brother sat there looking and said, my God, if I got hit one more time there, I'd be bleeding. Now, my brother, it took a few more whippings, but I'd get whipped for something one time. I never got repeat whippings, which was the same thing. Them things hurt too bad. I don't want that. So I looked there and I ran out in the kitchen and the water was running, the doors open. I ran out in the garage. I said, Mom! And I ran through the garage. When I ran through the garage, the sliding door in the house was open. I knew something was wrong now. Ran to the back, opened the, gr- the, the doors open to the barn. Mom! And we had a big old barn. Mom! She went and I ran back in the house, run into the bedroom. Mom! Ran up the stairs into the closet, into the closet on the left-hand side of the stairs. Opened the closet because we had storage in there. I'm in there screaming, Mom! And now I'm crying. I'm freaking out. Run back down the steps, out the door to David and Carolyn's house next door to the Moravis. Hit the door. David, Carolyn, open the door. I'm screaming. She opens her, Greg, what's wrong? I said, the raptures took place. Mom's not there. What do you mean? I said, I came home. The doors are standing open. Water's running in the sink. Crops, doors open. Sliding doors open. She wasn't there. The raptures took place. I ran out. Ran next door to Barbara and Terry's house. Beat on the door. Barbara and Terry have apostolic connections. But our backslid. So I knew they'd be home. <laughs> Look at somebody say, he got you. I beat on the door. Barbara, Terry. Barbara opened the door. She said, Greg, what's wrong? I said, the rapture took place. She said, oh, God, no. I said, it took place. The door in the front of the house was open. The garage door was open. The floor was running in the sink. I ran through the garage and the sliding door was open. I ran upstairs into the house, looked in the attic, screamed, Mom, she's not there. I said, Mom's gone. We've missed the rapture. And about that time, I heard, Greg. I just fell down. I was, I'm telling you, it was like I got hit with a Mack truck. 
I like, oh my God, mom. Greg, what's wrong? I said, I couldn't find your mom. All the house doors were open. The water was running in the sink. The garage doors open. I was screaming your name. Never heard none. I thought the rapture took place. She said, oh no. I don't even remember where she said she was. But that moment, it's going to happen just like that. My point is, is when the rapture takes place, how old are you, elder? 77. All of us will not be white-haired in 77. There'll be some 17-year-olds and 16-year-olds and 17-and-a-half-year-olds and some 24-year-olds. They'll Somebody say there'll be somebody my age. When the, rapture, when the rapture takes place, there'll be people of every age. There'll be people in church. There'll be backsliders out of church. Why'd they backslide? Somebody upset them. Somebody said something about their family. Somebody's, all the crazy reasons someone would backslide. Ten or eleven years ago, I went through all my mess. I woke up in the apartment about one o'clock in the morning there in New Orleans. I crawled down the hallway, reached up, clicked the light on the bathroom, pulled myself up. I was down about 178 pounds. Pulled myself up and counted. I did. I kind of laid over it. And I'm looking that close in the mirror. And the Holy Ghost said to me, I called you to evangelize. I literally said, what? And he said, I called you to evangelize. You haven't done this at all. It's all been me. He said, don't worry, I've got you. And I screamed at myself in the mirror. And I said, Greg Godwin, you will not backslide over this. You will not lose your walk with God over this. You will be ready. If nobody else is ready, you're going to heaven. I was crying and screaming. And the next thing I knew, I wake up the next morning, about 1030 in the morning, laying in the bathroom floor. Look at somebody and say, everything you've been through, None of it's worth backsliding over. Tell somebody, none of it's worth backsliding over. If you've calmed down your praise because of something somebody said or somebody did, tell them to take a long walk off a short bridge and you keep praising God. Did you hear what I said? You tell those people who are trying to get you to backslide, you can take a long walk off of a short bridge, which means you can go dive into the deep end of the pool, baby. I'm not backsliding for anybody. Why? Because I've made my calling and election sure. Jesus is coming. Come on, he's coming. Stand with me, stand with me. Come on, look at somebody say, Jesus is coming. Musicians, come, get ready. So they finally, Israel and Judah, square off to a fight. Israel's got 800,000 men. Judah's got 400,000. Abijah looks ahead, looks behind. They've already made their mind up they're going to fight. And he looks at Judah and he says, I want you to shout. Now the word shout is the seventh word of praise in the, in the Hebrew. There's seven major words for praise. A bunch of words break off from that. But these are the seven major words of praise. And, and ruah is the seventh word it means to shout. It literally becomes a praise word of warfare. It means to split the ears with sound, to blow the alarm, to destroy with a joyful sound. Look at somebody say destroy with a joyful sound.
with triumph. It is literally a shout of a war cry. Whenever Israel would get to this seventh word of praise, which means they weren't always there, but there were times when they got there and they would just shout. They did it when they marched around the walls at Jericho. They marched around six days, one time a day. Two and a half million marched around the walls. Never said a word. All you heard for seven days. Hold the piano just a second. All you heard for seven days or for those first six days, one time a day was of six or two Point five million marching, not saying a word to each other. And the people of Jericho were locked up looking over the walls. What are they doing? They're back today. And on the seventh day, God told them, I want you to march around the walls seven times. And after you've marched around the seventh time, I want the priest to give you a signal to shout. I want you to shout with ruah, with great joy. They don't have a war, they don't have weapons, they don't have spears, they don't have shields, but they've got to shout. He said, after you have marched around that city, he said, when the priest gives you the signal, I want you to shout in their marching seven times. They go around it one time, two times, three times, four times, five times. Now the city's looking, oh my God, six times dust is raising. What in the world? Six times. They're going a seventh time. What are they doing? And when they come around, there was a sound given. A signal was made. And the whole nation, all wrapped around that city, leaned back and, yeah, scream. And the Bible says that the walls fell flat. Now those walls were thick enough you could race chariots around the top of them. Some stones, one, some stones singularly were 12 feet in diameter. But when they shouted, those walls didn't just break and crumble down. They literally fell flat. That means it affected everything under the walls, moved whatever foundation they might have had. It brought that out, brought the ground out from underneath the foundation so the walls could go flat. You say, I've never seen that. We was talking about Alaska. I was there in 1964 when we had that earthquake. 9.2. 9.2 on the Richter scale. I got pictures of downtown Alaska. Where the buildings have come down and the roofs are almost level with the ground. Cracks five and six feet wide as long as you could see. Now my mom, when she was here, she'd tell you, I know why that earthquake happened. Because I was up there. We'd been there just a couple of months. Daddy was a backslider from the church in Pensacola, Fort Walton Beach. Long story, he had backslid. He was in the Air Force. They shipped him to Alamogordo, and he went over there and was in. At night, he was working in a movie theater, running the films, and he'd come down and help with the pop- popcorn, and Mama was there, 18 years old. They got married, but he didn't know she was taken to a Pentecostal church when she was nine years old in New Mexico, Alamogordo. And it shocked her, blew her mind. She went home and literally didn't want to put any makeup on. Her mom got on to her. No, you're going to put that on. You're going to put some lipstick on. You need to have that. She said, Mom. And sometimes she'd win and sometimes she wouldn't. She'd wear it and sometimes she wouldn't. But when that earthquake hit and it finally quit shaking, she had caught me falling out of the high chair and my dad was pinned against the counters. And she looked at Frank. She said, Frank, you've got to find that church you were raised in. We've got to get in there. I've got to get the Holy Ghost. It took them a couple of weeks. They found... Brother and Sister Luna's church. 
They went about 30 days and mom got the Holy Ghost. Another 30 or 40 days, my dad prayed back through. And now here I am. Preaching. What are you saying? I'm saying you need to investigate how you got in this. Because God got you in here just in time for one more shout. I mean, my beard's hair standing out of my beard, and I shaved tonight, but I got, I'm getting cold chills. Look at somebody say, The Holy Ghost is in this house. The Bible says, As the men of Judah shouted. The Bible says God smote them. It means to push, to gore, to inflict pain. To inflict your enemies to push back. 500,000 men were killed. Jeroboam died. The leader of the people will contend. Died. Genesis 49 and 8 says, The hand, thy hand shall be in the neck of thy enemies. Down the throat, Judah. Your hand will be down the throat of your enemies. So that all comes to us in praise. What is praise? That's not praise. I mean, it it counts a little, but that's not what God's talking about. There's something very powerful and spiritual when His people, exactly, Pastor, when we begin to praise the Lord. It's, It's the final word for praise is a shout of war. And the shout is, we will be victorious. Amen. It means literally that God will gore our enemy. So why, listen to me now. I'm out here off my notes while society's going crazy, while the politicians of this day are absolutely losing their mind, voting God out, voting sin in, making it illegal to be a Christian. All kind of stuff is on the brink. Amen. And I don't know if we're going to go much longer, but I'm telling you it's going to get tough. But always remember what I told you. When you get pinned in, when you get surrounded, and you can look in front and behind, and you are completely surrounded, all you got to do is get Give God a shout of praise and your enemy will be defeated. I want you to come to the altar. Come on, come on down. Come on down to the altar. Come in here as close as you can. Now I know, I know. And I'm not telling anybody you gotta dance or jump or none of that. I'm saying I want to shout a praise. I'm saying for our elders. Don't feel like you can't do this. Oh, they're gonna get crazy tonight. No, no. You can sit right there in your chair and just lean your head back and just give God whatever shout you got. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, a shout tonight is going to cause a reverberation through the spirits of this area of Florida. And it's going to break some things loose. Uh, Somebody's going to talk to you tomorrow at work that had never talked to you about church. They're going to ask you tomorrow, what about that church you go to? Come on, tell somebody. Tell them I'm going to lift my hands. uh, And I'm going to take a few minutes. uh, And I'm going to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Lift your hands up in the air. If you need a miracle, shout for it. 
If you need the Holy Ghost, if you'll lift your hands and give God a shout, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Come on, praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Give a shout. It's an immediate warfare cry. With a voice of praise Come on, that's it, praise it Praise it Praise it with a shout Praise it with a shout Come on and shout unto God Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, praise Him. Praise Him, somebody. Come on, praise Him.
other we got some getting the holy ghost praying just keep them going young people i want you to grab hands with somebody don't leave anybody untouched get a hand with somebody in it 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 come on get your hands together grab hands grab hands i want you to focus on this metroplex palm bay and melbourne and all these cities around here i want you to lift your hands up and close your eyes now I just want the music playing just a little. Nobody's saying nothing. Just get your place in mind. Get it in line. Get it in your mind. See it. Now at the count of three, I want you to give God a shout for a breakthrough in this whole region in the Holy Ghost. Are you ready? One, two, three. Shout unto God with a voice of side over here. Young people from 12 and up to 19 or 20, I want you to come in over here. Come in here down close together. I want you to get your hands together. 
I want you to get your hands together with somebody. Come on, young men. Come on, get over here with these young people. Come on down in here, young people. Mom and Dad, now I want you to get hands with each other. Come on. Get hands with each other. One more time, Mom and Daddy. All right. Young people, young men, I want you to hear Brother Godwin now. I'm doing something I haven't done. I feel very strongly to do this. Young people, you need to be focused now. I know you got your eyes on a big world and you got your eyes on big jobs and all that. And you need to do that. You need to be prepared and all that. But what needs to be more important to you than anything is doing something for God. I didn't give me any amens from the parents. You should want your young people to be praisers, to be worshipers. Out of that will come choir members. Out of that will come song leaders. Out of that will come prayer warriors. Out of that will come local evangelists. Out of that will come team preachers. Out of that will come a few that will be an evangelist. Like Brother Dylan and I. But everybody has the right for a victorious spirit of praise to be in you and on you. Young people, I love you very much. And I feel to challenge you in the Holy Ghost. Grab one another's hands. Parents are going to be praising the Lord over you. I want you to lift your hands up and I want you to give God a shout. It could be three years or five years that we got left, maybe ten, but I want you to shout unto God that you want victory in your life. You're willing to do anything for Him. Come on, somebody give God a shout. Come on, young people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Oh, we praise your name. We praise. 